are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Chena. And I cover your New York Giants for a variety of places. The Athletic, Forbes, Big Blue View, Inside Football, The Maven. You can follow me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Traina, T-R-A-I-N-A, to find all my work. And uh, today we are coming from you coming to you on Monday, November 19th. It is a Victory Monday, and who better to help me break this down than Giant Insider Senior Writer Chris Bisignano. Hi, Patty. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Victory Monday. It's always nice on a Victory Monday, Patty. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And you know, when we break this thing down, Chris, we've got to start with the offense, and and Mm -hmm. this I think is what they envisioned. I mean, th- this this offense yesterday, you know, th- they just seem to be getting a little bit better, a little bit better. And yeah. last last night, um, the job done by Saquon Barkley and, and and the offensive line and the receivers, Eli, just just as close to a total effort that you can expect. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is what everybody envisioned right back in August. Mm-hmm. Saquon doing his thing, play action taking some shots down the field, Odell doing his thing, uh, double E, Evan Ingram coming up big on, some, on a seam route at the end of the game. It's Isn't it amazing, Patty, what one solid offensive lineman could do for a team? Oh. I mean, Jamon Brown comes in, and it's a different offensive line and a different offense. Is it a coincidence since Brown's been here that this team has looked efficient? I don't think so, Patty. So, yeah, listen, things are heading the right way. Sherman's made adjustments along the line, along you know, the season as the season's moved along. Uh, Saquon's taking his shots between the tackles, and this is what we. This is I, listen. I understand Tampa is not a good defense, but we've seen the Giants struggle against teams that won't good defenses in the past, right? Yeah. So it was nice to see them taking advantage of a team that's, you know, not too good defensive. We know that, but positive sign, Patty. Uh, the last two weeks. Definitely. And let's talk some more about Saquon Barkley because, you know, we look at the numbers, 27 carries, 142 yards, two rushing touchdowns. And then he added, let me see, another two receptions, 10 yards and a touchdown catch. But even when this kid wasn't making plays, you know, with his hands or with his feet, he was mm-hmm. opening things up for, for the other guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Patty. The, the, the guy's a weapon. He has to be accounted for every play he's on the field. You know, he's on, so when he's on the field, I mean, you see what he does with his routes out of the backfield. You have to account for this guy. It's opening up things for Ingram. Forget about Odell and Shep. You know, so it's listen, it's a good point, Patty. Even games that he's not getting 25 rushes, whatever it might be, he still affects an offense. All right. Because he's a guy that has to be accounted for by the defense on every play. 
And, you know, one of the points I made when people, you know, bemoaned the fact that the Giants took a running back number two overall over a quarterback, Mm -hmm. I have always said that a good running game is any quarterback's best friend because, number one, it takes some of the onus off of the quarterback. I mean, you look at Eli Manning the last several years, he's had a throw for close to 600, if not over 600 pass attempts each year. I mean, he only threw the ball, what, 18 times yesterday? (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Yep, 17. 1818. So, yep. I, so I mean, you know, a, a good running game, and and you know, we mentioned how Barkley opened things up. What he does is he brings those linebackers close to the line of scrimmage, which now opens up a nice little gap of space between the mm-hmm. linebackers and the defensive secondary, where you know you can maybe slide Evan Ingram out into the into the seam or get some of these receivers, you know, more space on slants and crossing patterns, and and just such a big big addition to the offense yeah patty listen eli's had his he had his best years when he's had a strong running attack all right where he gets under the center play action okay like you said linebackers coming up play action boom hitting guys in the scene behind the linebackers taking shots down the field okay when you have no run listen this is eli's forte patty okay having that strong running game getting that play action going this is when Eli is at his best. And you've seen it the last two weeks. Sherman's had him on the center a lot. And just having a kid like Barkley, you have to account for a running game is so huge for Eli, man. I mean, you saw him, you know, against the 49ers. You seen him, you saw him yesterday, Patty. I and mean, this is signs of Eli from years ago. Definitely. And Eli Manning finishing his day 17 of 18. His lone incomplete pass was uh, on a wheel route to Barkley. Right. The, a pass that I, I haven't looked at it yet on tape, but initially it looked like it was slightly behind Barkley, although I'm not sure Barkley had, had to adjust for that. But 17 of 18, 231 yards. He w- was sacked four times, unfortunately, but he had two touchdowns, no interceptions, and a 155.8 passer rating. <laughs> Not bad, right, Patty? 155? Yeah. I, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> if that's what washed up looks like, then I'd hate to see what, you know, rising looks like, you know? Yeah. Um, it's amazing when you – you know what, Patty? That was like the quietest four sacks too, right? Yeah. It was, I know JPP, you know, we talked about it up in the booth. JPP had a few sacks, a one and a half, whatever his final total. But it wasn't like a four-sack game where he was under siege four-sack game. It was like a four-sack game, like a quiet four-sack game where he had time. A lot of t- a lot of times he dropped back in a pocket. He had plenty of time to throw the ball. Right. One um, of the sacks I think was a coverage sack, and then the other right. one, if I if I'm not mistaken, his feet got tangled up in the the turf. So. Right. Right. Uh, one other one. JPP did beat Solo in an inside move. That was a clean sack. Right. Uh, but like like I said, Patty, that was like a quiet four sacks. So Eli had there was plenty of times that Eli had time to look down the field and and let a big route like like Odell develop and 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 do his thing. So. Yeah, it was a good day. Um, yeah, Patty, 17-18. Can't ask for better than that. The one ball at Barkley, you know, he just didn't quite adjust in the air to it. You know, he blamed himself. <laughs> he said he owed Eli because he should have came down with the ball. Um, just a good game all around. Yeah, definitely. An excellent game by the offense. And and how about this? They put up hmm. 38 points. I mean, can you remember the last time they put up 38 points? No, it seems like an eternity ago. Um, uh, yeah. It really does. Um, only the second time this year, 30 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, second time since, I guess, 2015, 30 plus, too. Uh, so 
Um, yeah, it was nice to see. You know what, Patty? I'm glad they did that because they against that Tampa Bay defense, they should have done it. And if they didn't, Patty, they'd be getting crucified today. You know, so it's good to see the progress. I'm glad they did what they did yesterday. Um, so it was a solid effort from the offense. And that's an excellent point, Chris, because, you know, a lot of people on on Twitter are saying to me, oh, well, the Tampa Bay defense stinks. You know, what, regardless of what you think of it, you're absolutely right. I mean, yes, they came in. I think they would rank at or near the bottom mm-hmm. in a couple of categories. But you're absolutely right. If the Giants didn't exploit that defense and, and explode all over them, that would yeah. not have been a good look. No, they would have got crucified. They would have. It would have been Eli has to sit down. Where's Loretta? You know, Sherman's got to go. There's no offensive, you know, creativity. You know, the whole deal. I, I understand. Listen, I understand when you when people say, "Oh, oh you know, you got to you got to get 35 on the Bucks. They're the worst defense." But these guys get paid too, Patty, mm-hmm. on the other side of the ball. These guys got pride too. So it's not like you just show up and you're going to score 35 points. You know, yeah. so you still have to go out there and execute. You still have to go out there and do your thing offensively. So I know it's easy to say, well, you should have got 35. It's Tampa Bay. No, come on. Stop. These guys have a lot of pride on the other side of the ball. All right? So you still have to do your, your execute your game plan, and they did yesterday. Yep, and, and don't forget old friend JPP. You know, he was fired up about this game. Mm. And, and I'm just looking to see what – okay, JPP finished with seven – Total tackles, one yeah. and a half sacks. He had a tackle for a loss, two quarterback hits. Not a bad day against his old mates, but, you know, I, I just thought it was absolutely um, – I, I, I smiled a little bit because when he sacked Eli, the two, the, the one and a half times there, it was mm. almost like a gingerly like, type of sack, <laughs> you know, not one of those bone crushers. Yeah, he kind of even admitted that, JVP. He says, I just kind of put him down. I don't want to hurt him, you know. <laughs> he loves Eli, you know, so yeah. – well, he he did the his... Super Bowl with him, so why not? Yeah, yeah. Actually, Eli called him a great teammate. They were actually pretty close, Patty. Uh, yeah. You know, in JPP's time here. So uh, respect for one another. Uh, JPP didn't want to blow him out of the water with a hit. You know, he just kind of hit him, put him down, and then he joked about it afterwards. And he had a good game, Pat. No doubt about it. He was fired up to come in here. You know, he felt a little slighted about the way things went down when he left, when he got traded. So, um, yeah, he played a good game. and He did his thing, but uh, the Giants came on top. That's, that's uh, all that matters. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a short break and then we come back. We're going to talk about the defensive side of the ball. And Chris, there's a lot of stuff to talk about on the defensive side. Yes, there is. Not good either. Exactly. So stay with (laughs) us, Giant fans. We'll be right back after this. The Locked On Podcast Network is doing unprecedented things on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, follow Locked On NFL Net to get all the latest breaking news and game highlights from the Lock On Podcast Network NFL hosts all on one convenient feed. On Instagram, Locked On NFL Net gives you the biggest stories, including audio cuts as provided by the various Locked On NFL team hosts. Make sure you follow Locked On NFL Net on both Twitter and Instagram to get your daily fill of the NFL. Ever since I started this podcast, People have been asking me for gambling advice. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win every week. But if you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is very easy to use. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, 
And for you fantasy enthusiasts out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000 when you use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the special offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when entering your account to claim your special bonus. MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with special guest Chris Bisignano of the Giant Insider. And we are coming to you on a victory Monday following the Giants' 38-35 victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we are breaking down uh, the the highlights and lowlights of the game yesterday from the Giants perspective and we talked you know in the first segment about the highlights of the offense and now we are going to switch over to the defense where there were some highlights but also a bunch of lowlights <laughs> yes there was Patty 500 yards not good yeah not good I mean if they didn't get the turnovers they lose this game Pat you know they, they got the one stop on fourth down early in the game in, in, a, in the red zone um Thomas had the big interception before half. The pick six by Ogletree, they kind of swooped up the ball off Jenkins' chest. Um, uh, The interception by Curtis Mm -hmm. in the end zone. So they did get the four turnovers. That was the plus. No question about it. But 100-yard rusher, 100-yard receiver. Jameis coming off the bench, hitting him with big plays all over the field. And, of course, Patty up 38-28 with two Two and a half left, I believe it was, and letting Mike Evans get behind you in a two zone for a touchdown was just inexcusable, Patty. Mm. Inexcusable. That cannot happen. So, listen, uh, the defense did get the four ints. I understand that. And they probably should have had a fifth turnover. The Bucs were lucky with the fumble in the end zone. You know, Evans came up with the recovery, but a lot of big plays on the field, Pat. Uh, 500 plus yards. Not good. Not good at all. No, and let's start with the, the Bucks running. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, it's like I blinked and then I realized, wow, they had a, you know, Peyton Barber, 18 yeah. carries, 106 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah. They finished with 151 yards rushing on 30 carries. I mean, what what did you see? You know, I mean, people were saying, oh, the Giants missed Damon Harrison against mm-hmm. the run. But what, what did you see when you were watching, you know, the running game unfold against the Giants defense? Yeah, I, I saw the Buck guards, the center, the blowing open holes, Patty. You know, I, I saw Thomason, you know, getting blown off the ball at times. Ogletree not getting off blocks. You know, he's just not getting off blocks. Um, a lot of big holes in the middle of that defense yesterday, uh, and Barber took advantage of it. Yeah, they got some yards. You know, Fitzpatrick took off a few times. Uh, Jameis took off a few times, um, but – they just miss. Listen, that whole that big body in the middle that snacks. You know when he was in there, they just miss him big time as far as the running game. Um, and it's showing now, Pat. Last week that Forty Nine had a hundred yard rusher. Yesterday the Bucks have a hundred yard rusher. Um, so listen, it, it's it's right now it's a problem. You know it's a problem. Um, they're just having a hard time stopping a run. 
Yeah, and to your point, Chris, I mean, the linebackers, they, they just weren't getting up there and filling holes the way that, you mm-hmm. know, you would expect them to. Like you said, they weren't getting off the blocks and, and uh, you know, it just seems like they were a hair too late in getting to the holes. By the time they got up there, the, the Bucks running backs were just, boom, right past them. Yeah, and some missed tackles too, Pat. You know, uh, Curtis Wiley with a few missed tackles again yesterday and even Landon, you know, even Landon had a few missed tackles. Um. So, you know what, Patty, I have to tell you something quick. You know, when the Giants traded for Ogletree, um, you know, the Rams were not good against the run last year. And that kind of raised a little bit of a flag for me because Ogletree was in that, you know, over in that middle last year. And you're starting to see it now. He's just not a good run-stuffing inside backer, Pat. Um, and when you don't have a good run-stuffing inside backers with the defense betches playing – and now you take away a snacks, it's a problem. And you're seeing it now, Pat. You, you know, these guys are, like you said, that was a quiet 100 yards yesterday. Don't get me wrong. But he did have 106 yards, uh, Peyton Barber. So, you know, it's something down the road that Betcher's going to have to tighten up somewhere. You know, I, I, you notice Ty Davis was in there a lot yesterday, Pat, right? He yeah. was getting his snaps. Goodson, you know, he's getting in there. You know, they're rotating those two. and But we'll have to see, Pat. But right now, that, that is definitely an issue. Well, let me ask you this. There are some people who think that the Giants might have given up on Damon Harrison too early. I mean, do you agree with that? Patty, I don't think they gave up on him. I think they just looked at a guy that was making nine-plus million a year that played 30, 28, uh, 30, 32 snaps a game, and they wanted to get – they wanted to clear the cap for next, you know, for the rest of the, for next season and get draft picks for him. And let's face it, they were one in seven at the time and in a little bit of a rebuild mode. They started getting to that rebuild mode. And, you know, this, but I don't think they gave up on it. I still believe, you know, they still believe Snacks was a heck of a player. It was just a future type move, Patty, you know. So I hate to use that gave, give up on him. I don't think they gave up on him like right. they don't think he was doing a job. He was doing a job, Snacks, but oh, it, was just yeah. a t- it was just a situation where he makes, you know, he's 30 years old, right, Pat? He's mm-hmm. going to be 30 years old, makes a lot of money. On a one and seven team, yeah. So these things happen. Yeah, and plus they they figured they had two young guys in Hill, McIntosh, and then I guess yeah. you can throw in Dalvin Tomlinson. Yeah, as yeah. you know, guys that could carry on that torch. But you know, to 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 move on from Harrison. I mean, ultimately you knew they were going to because of the mm-hmm. like you said the snaps that he was taking and the money he was making. But they sure could have used him these last couple of weeks. Oh, Pat, there's no question that the uh, you, you see the effects of not having snacks in the middle. You see what's going on. You, listen, Thomas is a nice player. Uh, uh, B.J. Hill, is a he's going to be a solid player too, Pat. But they're not snacks, Pat, in that middle. Snacks is a top-run defender in the NFL, you know. So when you take that out now, Pat, you're leaving a hole, you know. And uh, But I also, Patty, I have to, you know, I also going to blame Ogletree a lot in this, Patty. He's just not getting off blocks. So he's taking wrong reads and gaps. You know, you look at the film and put that together, Pat, and boom, you got you got 100-yard rushes. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I'm looking at the Giants' final defensive snaps, and Collins was first on the team with 11 total tackles. Ogletree second with nine. But as I have said so many times when talking about tackles, not all tackles can be judged the same. If a guy is making tackles 10 or more yards down the field, 
big deal. I mean, you might as well not even give them a credit for a tackle. You know, where you really earn your money is when you're making them closer to the line of scrimmage. And I don't think yeah. that, you know, that was the case with, you know, with Ogletree. Patty, that's a great point. Great point there, Miss uh, Miss Trainer, Mrs. Trainer. That's a great point because I always like to refer to, I call it active, Patty. When a guy is active eight, nine tackles, which means he's at the line of scrimmage, negative tackles. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not tackles 15 yards down the field and you make it six or seven. Because what good is that? You know, the guy just gained 15 yards, Pat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like to see the active stats, Pat. When you look at the guy, he says, okay, he's got nine tackles. So, I, you know, you watch the game live, of course. And then you go back to the film and you say, okay, where's these nine tackles coming from? Are they negative tackles? Are they the line of scrimmage? And then there's a big difference, Patty, between an active nine tackles and a regular nine tackles is what the way I like to refer to it. Yeah. And that's what you see a lot, Patty, um, with an Ogletree and stuff like that. It's not real, a real active six, seven tackles, you know. Where, and, and the stats prove it, right, Patty? You see guys getting 100 yards on us. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it, I just found that interesting because, again, between Collins and Ogletree, they accounted for 20 of the 70 tackles made. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I'm just now, you know, before we started recording this, I started to get into the tape and I'm like, okay, they, the Bucks didn't score, you, you know, they didn't rush for over 100 yards by accident. And so I, that's the first place I usually look at is where were the tackles being made? I also look at, you know, who was getting off blocks and who was mm-hmm. filling holes and all that stuff so like you said something was amiss with with the run defense yesterday and it has been for the last two weeks yeah and it probably will be going down the road pat you know this is something the giants are going to have to upgrade as an inside back a position run you know and listen the, listen thomas could come back in year three he's going to be playing over that nose a lot next year unless they go out and get somebody else you know whatever but thomason could improve you got you're going to have bj coming in his second year next year and you, you know what, Pat? And then we got this Macintosh kid coming down the pike, too. You know, they're going to rotate him in. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be active coming down, hopefully. And, and again, and the game's coming up to see what he is, you know. So, but it is a problem, you know, no no doubt about it. Um, because I believe that was Bob's first 100-yard game of the year yesterday, Pat. So that's not good. No, it is not. And you know what, Chris? We also, we've also got to talk about something else that, that kind of surprised me when I looked at the final game book. And that is, I don't see Olivier Vernon's name mentioned anywhere yeah. under the final defensive stats. Now, Vernon, yeah. you know, he, he had a rough showing of it, you know, but he was about as invisible as invisible can be yesterday. I don't know if he was just struggling to get off blocks. I don't know how much his ankle is still bothering him, but just not a good game from, from him. Him. And that's usually a guy who, when it comes to defending the run, you can depend on him, you know, to set the edge, you know, certainly mm-hmm. depend on him to rush the passer. And just really, you didn't see much of him yesterday, except for really those three penalties he committed. Yeah, no, Olivier didn't have a good game yesterday. No no question about it. He, uh, you know, he he didn't get, a, you know, he maybe had one pressure, Pat, that I remember of yesterday. Um, you know, he had the... Uh, you know, he's a good run stopper too, Pat. You know, he, he could play the run, Olivier, but yesterday, very quiet. You know, I, I thought Donovan Smith did a heck of a job on him over there at that left tackle yesterday, but Olivier has to be more of an impact guy, and he was very, very quiet yesterday. Not a good showing, like you said, Pat. The only showing he had, the only time he really heard his name is when he had the roughing the pass, apparently, and then, and then you know, he was kind of pissed off about that, took it over into the next few plays. We tried to time a snap, and then he was a little overanxious, tried to make something happen. He had two straight offsides calls. So not now one of Olivier's better games, Pat. No question about it. 
Yeah, and I know you spoke to him after the game. I know I mm-hmm. got to him after the game, and we were talking about, you know, what happened in that sequence, and he was not happy with himself. I mean, I don't know what he told you, but he told me I played like, you know, garbage. Yeah. yeah. I got to do better, and, and he was very upset with himself. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, not happy with his game, no question about it. Um, he didn't quite understand the call. He said the ref told him he hit him in the head. Olivia didn't think he hit him in the head. It is what it is. I did ask him, though, Patty. I said, you know, is it fair to say, Olivier, that you, know, you were kind of pissed off about that call? Did you carry it over with those two offsides? Because you were so anxious, you know, because you were pissed. And he was like, yeah, no, it was, that's all me. He goes, I wanted to make something happen. He goes, because I wasn't making anything happen. <laughs> and I tried to time a few times a, uh, a snap. And he goes, it's all me. It's my fault. And, uh, you know, so... Yeah, he was uh, a little frustrated, Pat, yesterday. He wasn't doing his thing at all, and he definitely carried over into those two straight offsides. Patty, I don't know about you, but I felt you could sense he was really frustrated with those two straight offsides. I thought Betcher should have got him off the field, let him cool down a little bit. He kept him on, um, but listen, it's, that's all hindsight now, but uh, not a good – not a good. the Giants need more from him, Pat. They need more from him every week, and you can't have a – what do you have in his stats? I didn't even look at it. I guess it was zero, right? He, he had zero he, stats? Well, he didn't even dent the stat sheet. I mean, other so than, you know, you look at the final defensive stat, his name, his name's not on there. And I can't yeah. remember that ever being the case. Yeah. And, and and sometimes even when he has one or two tackles a game, Pat, he'll have like two or three pressures, right? Yeah. He'll force, he'll force two or three throws. And I don't believe, unless I'm mistaken, I don't believe he even did that yesterday. So. No. He no, was, not a good hour of 54. It, it, no it, doubt about it. It, it, it. He was invisible. I, you know, I, I let's call it yeah. what it is. You know, yeah. I know the yeah. I know the kid goes out there and he busts his tail, but he did not have a very good game. And he, you know, he admitted it. And yeah. uh, you know, he spoke about the the cadence that the Bucks changed the cadence on him, and that's mm-hmm. why he was getting caught off sides. But, but he. I know when I spoke to him briefly, you know, before the crowd came over, he was not a happy camper. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, we'll see what happens going forward, you know, if, if he Yeah, listen, Patty, like you said, he busts his butt, this guy. You know, I, I don't know. I know there's a, a perception about him that he's lazy. He doesn't want to play injured. He doesn't oh, want to do this. Not even close. And it's not even close. A guy plays injured. He's played injured for a whole season a couple of years ago with a bad wrist. Um, we talked about it. Listen, the guy takes pride in his game. He's making a lot of money. Everybody understands that. He understands it more than anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he goes out there and does like you said, Pat, doesn't dent the stat sheet, it's frustrating. And he, and he was very, very frustrated in the locker room afterwards. So I'm going to be curious to see how he bounces back against the Eagles because, you know, look, he's the type of guy who doesn't say a lot, but, you know, he lets things simmer. And when he does, man, he could be a very, very bad man out there on that field. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he was looking forward to the Eagle game already, Pat. We already started talking about it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and he was kind of looking forward to it already. Uh, he was he was actually talking with B.J. Hill about some defenses already talking about the Eagles when I was standing next to him. They were talking about some different formations for next week already. So uh, I guess that's a good sign, right, Pat? Already thinking about the Eagle game. Oh, the mere, the mere fact that, you know, you have a bad game, you want to put it behind you, and you want to go back out there and show people that, you know, you're not this multi-million dollar waste of money, you know? And, 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 and you're right. Look, you know, we, we talked about it upstairs in the press the press box. You're always going to overpay for free agents. That's just the nature of the of the game, you know, that part of the game. 
But, you know, you want to at least get some kind of return on your investment. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we've mentioned that Vernon's played hurt. You know, he had the broken wrist the first year he was here. The ankle twice. I think it's the same ankle. I don't know if they ever fully healed the first time, to be honest with you. I I sometimes question that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the guy, you could see he doesn't have the explosiveness. But with that said, if you're out there playing, you got to produce. Yes, Patty, that's the way it is in football. I agree with you. If you're going to play, then you're going to have to produce. And and he's not making excuses, Patty. You know, he's not like he said, well, I'm not getting there because my ankle's still hurt. I know for a fact the ankle still bother him. I know for a fact because we talked about his fumble return against the Redskins. You know, when he got when Alex Smith caught him on the angle and, you know, and he, and he got pushed out of bounds, the whole deal, that he wasn't 100% when he was running with the ball. Mm-hmm. So, But he's not making excuses, Patty. Not at all. But... It is a bottom line business, no question about it. And when you're getting a paycheck and you're on the field dressed, you have to produce. And yesterday he did not produce. No, unfortunately he didn't. But, you know, I think it's good that they're looking looking ahead to next week and they know it's a big game against the Eagles and, and – uh, they they've got to keep the train rolling. Let's uh let's shift to Landon Collins for a moment because you know we mentioned Landon Collins with the eleven tackles and then you know came that weird sequence of plays where where uh, he he appeared to get kneed in the head by um, Ryan Fitzpatrick and then they pulled him out for a concussion test. I mean now I know you spoke to him about it and he mm-hmm. gave me the story as well. Why don't you go ahead and tell the story for those who haven't heard it? Yeah, well. I was curious to see why Landon was so pissed off when he came out of the tent and he punched the tent. Mm-hmm. Obviously frustrated. You know, this is what happens in football games. It's passion down here. Guys get pissed off, right? Mm-hmm. I love some people, the media and some people on radio shows are not going to afford. Why? I don't know. But to get back to the point. So what happened was Landon told me that Fitz, you know, when he dove into the end zone, stretched forward, he kind of hit his head. He doesn't know if it was a knee or whatever. But it looked like it was a knee. But Landon was pissed off that Fitz scored and shook his head in disgust. What happened was that somebody on the sideline or the spotter up in the booth told, you know, they said that Landon was shaking his head like he was knocking the cobwebs out, like he was, you know, like he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Comes off the field, they throw him into the tent. Okay, Landon's trying to tell him, I'm fine. You know, but football players always say that, Patty. So, they, you know, these medical personnel, they can't just go with what a football player says because they'll always say, yeah, I'm fine, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so... Mm-hmm. But Landon's trying to explain that, no, I was shaking my head in disgust, but of course they're not going to listen to that. So they, they, they bring him in a tent. So they kind of say, okay, Landon, you look good, but go to the locker room for further test. So Landon's trying to explain to them that I'm fine, that I wasn't banged, nicked up, but so they told him, go to the locker room now. Landon leaves the tent. He's disgusted that he has to go to the locker room now, knowing he's fine. And he takes it out. You know, he throws the punch at the tent because he's pissed off because he wants to be out there, Pat. Yeah. He wants to be out there. This is what football players do. He wants to help his team. Mm-hmm. He's a passionate guy. Mm-hmm. Okay? So yeah. he had to go to the locker room, and he was pissed off about that. That's that's the way he – obviously, Patty, as we saw, honestly, you know, when he went to the locker room, Pat, after the tent, I said, he's done. You know, I put it on Twitter, too. I said, oh, he must be done for the day. Figuring that he's going to be out like what happened to Kevin Wynn later on in the game. Figuring that he's going to be out for the rest of the game because of the concussion protocol. And then he came right back out. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was kind of a misunderstanding. But th- but you can't blame the medical personnel, Pat. Because no. how many times do football players come off the field and go, yeah, I'm good. Meanwhile, they can't even see straight. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, so 
that's what happened with Landon. Yeah, he, he that that was you know because the first thing when I saw him, I said to him, "How are you?" and he and he just started laughing. He said, yeah. "You were not going to believe what happened," because yeah. he told yeah. me that same story. Right. And right. I said, and I said to him, "Well, at least they were looking out for your well-being." But he says, right. "Yeah, but I miss Snap." So yeah, and that's but, what you want, right, Pat? Yeah, absolutely. That's what that's you want. Is that what you want from your football players? Yeah, I miss Snap. So he's pissed off. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's mm-hmm. a passionate sure. game out there. It's an emotional game. So why to criticize him because he punched in net? He was pissed off. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, Come on. seriously. seriously. Yeah, there's a lot of giant haters on on TV. Uh, excuse me, uh, on the radio, uh, newspapers, stuff like that. So you know, stop being hypocrites, everybody. Because I see Tom Brady smashing helmets every week. Okay, so stop. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely, Chris. Let's take our let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and couple more things I want to talk to you about on defense and we'll also touch a little bit on special teams and then wrap it up with any final observations so we'll take a quick break and be right back you're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trana and special guest Chris Biziano of the Giant Insider and we are breaking down the New York Giants 38-35 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, Chris, let's continue our discussion on defense because a guy yesterday who I thought had probably his best game as a Giant is a guy that you and I have, have often said, you know, what is this guy even doing out there? And that's, that was Kareem Martin. I thought he had one of his best games as a Giant. Yeah, I think he, uh, you know, with Lorenzo Carter coming on, Pat, I think he might have had a little fire lit under his butt. You know, <laughs> he, he's losing snaps. You know, when you start losing snaps, Patty, you start saying to yourself, whoa, whoa I, I got to kick this into another gear. Here. I got to start studying a little harder, whatever he said. Because, yeah, he had a, he had the sack yesterday. I thought he was a little active yesterday, Patty. He had some tackles. Mm-hmm. Um, he did some things out there. And I agree. I, I believe that was Kareem's best game um, as a giant. And was it a coincidence that a kid, a rookie behind him is taking away his snaps? Probably not, Pat. <laughs> you know, um, uh, I'm sure – Kind of like I said, little little fire on the cream's butt because he hasn't done a thing for us um, all year. And yesterday he he played a pretty decent game. Yes, he did. Seven total tackles for Solo. Had a sack, the lone sack of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, two tackles for a loss. One quarterback hit. I mean that that that's was, active, Patty. That's, that's active. active. That's active for sure. Uh, another guy I thought who has been kind of flying under the radar, but been playing, you know, fairly well against the run. And I know we talked about the run defense just not being good overall, but a guy who I think, you know, you can make a case for has been playing more than decently is Josh Morrow. Yeah, I thought Josh was really good yesterday. I thought he was good. And that's his forte, Pat, you know, playing against the run. You know, that that's... uh... That's what Betcha likes about him. And, yeah, he, he, he did a pretty de- decent job over there yesterday. I thought that was his best game since his return from suspension. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, he was in on that fourth down stop on, on the Bucks' first strike. Yeah. Him and, and I think Dalvin Tomlinson made that stop. Yeah, yeah, it was him. And they, they got up in that middle there and they clogged that up on Fitz. And so, yeah, I, I thought Josh was pretty good yesterday. Um, glad to see that because they're going to need him rotating in, no question about it. Um so, yeah, two guys that yeah, they really haven't done much, you know, played their best games yesterday. For sure, for sure. And another guy who, who was semi-active, maybe not as, you know, noticeable on the stat sheet, was Mario Edwards Jr., mm. two total tackles. He had two quarterback hits and a forced fumble. Yeah, you know what? Mario's given us some good snaps. And the limited snaps he's had, you know, rotating in, Pat, he's given us some good snaps. Mm. You know, he's played well. So, 
uh, in the limited time he's been out there. So I always, Patty, I, I always liked Mario going back to Florida State. You know, I always thought, and he came up, he went over, the, you know, the Raiders drafted him. And, and, you know, listen, he was had some pretty decent years for the Raiders, but good move by Gettleman, bringing him over here. Um, nice rotation, nice rotation guy. Uh, makes some plays out there. Uh, he was the one, right, who had the hit on Jameis mm-hmm. with the fumble, um, which should have been a forced fumble, right? But they got, they got a break there with the recovery in the end zone. So, yeah, I like what Mario's doing. Um, he, he's been a solid addition to this team. For sure, for sure. Let's uh, spin to special teams for a moment. Now, special teams, Quadri Henderson just had one punt return opportunity, five yards, because, uh, you know, the Bucks didn't punt. They just punted that one time. Corey Coleman looks like he's got a, a has found a role on this team as, as the kickoff returner. Five returns, 134 yards, a long of 40. I mean, when you think about how far the Giants special teams have come this this season, I mean, the beginning of the year, you, you know, the only bright spot was Aldrich Rosas, and now all of a sudden they've got two legitimate return guys. You know, they've been getting decent punting from Riley Dixon. It looks like special teams has really turned the corner. Yeah, yeah, listen, you know, these are two guys that won't on the roster in September, right, and Henderson and Corey Coleman. And, you know, I know a lot of people like to – you know, say, oh, Gettleman didn't do this, Gettleman didn't do that. But you know what? Look at all these changes that were made during the season, Patty. Guys getting released, bringing these guys in. And Coleman's been a great addition as a kickoff return. He did it in college. You know, he did it in college. And now he's doing it here in the NFL. It's the first time he's getting the opportunity. He was with the Giants. Mm-hmm. All right? 26.8 yesterday. <clears throat> Excuse me. Returning kickoffs. Like you said, the 140-yard, it was like a tackle away from busting it. And and Henderson's been a nice addition to the punt return team. Rosas has had a good year. Dixon's had a good year. So an issue with the Giants over the years has been special teams, and it hasn't been this year. And then you added guys like Mike Thomas oh, uh, yeah. and Lorenzo Carter on special team coverage, Pat, and that hasn't been an issue either. Right? I mean, Patty, how many times have we gone through the Giants season? Guys have kickoff returns on us, punt returns, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, this year it's been pretty solid, though. Great you job mentioned- by special teams coach McGahey, too. You, you mentioned Michael Thomas. He had four of the eight special teams tackles. And I, and I said this on Twitter, and I even said this to Michael after the game. I said, win or lose, if, you know, if, you, if they don't name you uh, special teams player of the week, the NFC special teams player of the week, there is something wrong with the system. I thought he had a heck of a game. Yeah, Pat, and let's not forget the uh, onside, kickoff, uh, onside kick recovery, too. Yep. Which he exactly. read. He read the formation. Mike told me he read the formation, knew exactly where they were going to go with it, and then he almost took it to the house on top of it. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, listen. Mike Thomas has always been a great special teams guy, mm-hmm. and, and he's put it over here to the Giants. He's made a big difference on special teams coverage. He's a solid player, Pat. He's a and solid, a solid player. Per- solid player, solid person brings yes, leadership. You know, I, I think I made the comment to you yesterday. He reminds me a lot of Dion Grant. And what mm-hmm. Dion brought to the locker room, and you know, Dion was a good player when he was here. He helped them win a, the second Super Bowl in the yes. Eli Manning era. So, you know, Mike Thomas has just been an absolute, you know, a fine, a steal for for what they, you know, what they signed him for. And yeah, and I'd like, you know, they've been getting him more snaps on defense, which has mm-hmm. been nice to see. You know, getting him into that big nickel package. Absolutely, Pat. I mean, he was brought over here basically to play special teams, and now. Betcher has had him in that big nickel for weeks. You know, he's playing 30 snaps, you know, 20-something snaps a game. And, like, and like similar to Deion Grant, when he was the third safety, when he went that third safety look, that three-safety look, Pat, in 2011, mm-hmm. 
I mean, that's what they're doing a lot here now. You know, you know, a lot of that three safety and you know, a big nickel with Mike Thomas. And he's not out there taking space, Pat. He's out there making plays. Look at the interception he had yesterday. You know, yeah. does the inside that he had that inside leverage coverage turns his head like a taught, like Coach Lou taught him going back to Miami days. Turned his head because you got to get the inside leverage. Then you have to turn your head. You got to get your shoulders turned. And he had, and Fritz says he goes, I was banking on him not turning his head on that play, and he did. Mm-hmm. Veteran move, studying film move, listening to coaching move, okay, technique move, interception. That's what it's all about, Pat. Yep, for sure. I mean, you, you, you just can't say enough good things about Michael Thomas's play and, like I said, the impact he has made on that locker room as a mentor, as a big brother to some of those guys, you know, and helping to keep that locker room together when it was when, when the times were going you know, getting tough. Just a tremendous, tremendous addition by Dave Gettleman. Yeah, listen, Pat, I don't think there's any secret that Gettleman was looking for locker room guys. There's been, you know, there's been some guys in the locker room the last few years that the Giants kind of wanted to clean out, and they have. <laughs> okay? Yeah. They have, Patty. You know who I'm talking about, you know? So mm-hmm. they've cleaned out a few guys. Um, and matter of fact, I think one's playing left tackle for the ja- Jaguars now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, gee, I, I don't remember that guy. You I, know, I kind of blocked that out. <laughs> but you know what? Gentlemen want to bring some character guys in here, and he has. Yeah. And it, and it reflects it in the locker room, Pat. It sure does. And and just, just a, a side note, I have Justin Tuck coming up later this week on the podcast. His, his spot's going to be on Friday. And I asked him about, you know, leadership. Would you rather have too many leaders or, or more talented players? And, you know, I'm paraphrasing his answer. You, you'll be able to hear it on, on the uh, podcast Friday. But, but he said, look, you can never have too many leaders. You know, mm-hmm. leadership is so important in, in a pro locker room, in any locker room. And he's absolutely right because these are the guys who help keep you know the younger guys you know the guys that are struggling they help keep them straight keep them right patty listen i i've seen plenty of talented nfl teams okay that didn't win anything why because the locker room was a bunch of renegades okay mm-hmm. you can never have enough leaders pat and this is one reason why patty you even though the giants are three and seven but don't you get the feeling you take to this team right Mm-hmm. You know, you're in the locker room with me all the time. Like these, this is a good character locker room, right, Pat? I mean, mm-hmm. professional. Good, yeah, there's, professional. No, there's, there's leaders in this locker room. You know, you got Odell walking around, keeping guys up. You know, fooling around in a good way. You know, uh, these guys you take to, you want to see them succeed, which makes it even uh, more gratifying. You know, the two wins in a row. You know, you don't you don't see that locker room whereas you got a bunch of guys on their own page. Those guys that are on their own page or a little immature, a little little bit of a renegade attitude, they're gone now, Pat. Yeah. And the Mike Thomases are in. And, mm-hmm. and 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 I don't think there's any question about it, Pat. If you don't have leaders in a locker room, you could have all the talent in the world. The chances are it's going to blow up in, 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 a, in a football team's face. Absolutely. Chris, just a few more minutes left in the segment, but let's just quick – uh, look ahead to, to the Eagle game. How are you feeling about the Giants' chances next Sunday? Well, Patty, listen, we all know the Giants have a hard time against the Eagles. They just can't seem to beat these guys. But, I mean, this is a prime opportunity to beat them, Pat. Their secondary is devastated. They have nobody left back there except for Malcolm Jenkins. That's it. Their corners they have. I mean, this is going to be a game, Pat, where this – 
improved offensive line gives Eli time. Now, don't get me wrong. They still got those guys up front. Okay, he's still got the Grams, the Longs, um, the, the guys who get the you know, Michael Bennett's, the guys who can get the quarterback up front. If they could keep those guys off Eli Patty, I, I see another 30 plus game. Um, uh, this is a prime opportunity for them to knock them off, Pat. And and make make uh, some headway in the division, too. Maybe come out of the cellar. I think they would come out of the cellar with a win and a big mm-hmm. win at that. Yeah, Pat, we talked about it yesterday, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, if they go into Philly and upset, well, I don't even know if it's even much of an upset. Yeah, I guess it's still considered an upset, <laughs> upset the Eagles at the link. How interesting is this December going to be? Oh, right? oh. <laughs> fingers crossed, man, because I tell you, I thought the season was over, you know, in the Patty, midway of October. <laughs> Patty, listen, uh, you know, we all thought it was over, right? <laughs> yeah. So we kind of we kind of took a one game at a time. Okay, they beat the 49ers. Uh, listen, we gotta, you got to beat the Bucs. Okay, we beat the Bucs. And now you go into the link, and if you could come out of the link with a victory, Pat, now it's you come back home against a solid bad team, and now everybody's like, whoa. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Because the Redskins are in major trouble. Uh, the Cowboys got five losses. You know, they got to play each other in a few days. Uh, the Eagles are really struggling. You know, so it's, it's going to be an interesting five games of December if, Patty, they come out of the uh, out of Philly with a win. Absolutely. And you and I will both be on top of it this week and, and in the weeks to come. Chris, tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, social media, and whatnot. Okay, you can find uh, me me and the senior editor, Jerry Foley, at the Twitter account at, at Giant Insider. You can also listen to us twice a week at the, the Giant Insider podcast. And you, you could subscribe to the Giant Insider newspaper, the biweekly publication during the season um you could just go to the twitter account they'll link you right into the subscription or google it and i think it's a well worth read and patty thank you very much for having me on again oh it's a pleasure you always bring it i love having you on and <laughs> i have to i have to work jerry into the rotation next because he he also brings it but you know don't tell him i said this but i think you bring it a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> I just uh that's the Brooklyn fire in me. I get yeah. I get uh, you should have seen you should have heard me about an hour ago, Patty, before we came on before I came on the podcast when I was reading the stuff about Landon Collins. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can only imagine I've seen you go off on stuff, but and and it's you oh, know, we have a good time though, Patty. We have a good time in the in the media booth though, yeah, don't we? Yeah, we do, we do for sure. All right, giant fans. Uh before we wrap it up, just a quick reminder tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday. Get your questions into me as soon as you can because I'm going to be looking to record the show uh, Monday night uh, tonight um, you can send the questions to me on my Twitter account at Patricia underscore trainer make sure you tag them ask P train P T R A I N you can also email your questions to me at locked on giants podcast at gmail.com i know you got questions i'll try and answer them as best as i can as always we'll devote the whole show on tuesday to your questions get those questions in right away also coming up later in the podcast uh this week we're gonna have the crossover show with eagles uh locked on giants i'm sorry locked on eagles host louis dibiase 
Thursday, we're going to hear from Jamon Brown, who uh, has a wonderful story to tell. It's going to—it's very fitting for Thanksgiving, and I, I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy it. And on Friday, Justin Tuck joins the podcast to talk about the Giants and also to talk about what he's been up to these last few days. So busy week here on Locked on Giants. Make sure you keep it here. Patricia Trainer signing off, and we'll talk to you soon.